Hey, Adam. Yes, Mike. Have you joined the group yet, and now they're just six guys? <laughs> it's possible, although at that point, I don't know if we get free fries. Like, if it becomes just six guys and they win, do you still get free fries and a free milkshake at the show? How does that work? I don't know. My thing is, I don't know, because I've had a couple different hair colors in my life, but I'm at the age now where I don't look as good as Sonata. So for me to try to go with all black hair Wait, and shave, you're at the age now where you don't look as good as Sonata? With all due respect, was there a time where you as you were as handsome and sexy as Saya Sonata? Never, not one day. Okay, thank you for admitting that. I can certainly admit that as well. But I can't even fake it now. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just it, it, I couldn't do it. I couldn't go through that type of refresh, that type of of new coat of paint, as they say. But uh, there's a lot to get into, Adam. Stardom's a lot. Uh, we, we have a, a ton to get into there because the Cinderella tournament was taking place. We had the new blood tag team tournament going on. We've got a lot of cards lined up and announced. And, of course, we've got a Sakura Genesis tie-in with Mercedes Monet in a triple threat, putting that title on the line against two Stardom faces. But a lot of talk, even outside of Japanese wrestling circles, about the new look of Sonata. And can it be, can it be possible where you do something like this? and he still loses to Okada. I think there's too much concern about that myself, but it has become a talking point, at least generally when it comes to wrestling, which is not a bad thing for New Japan right now. No, it's not, and it's also, it feels like deja vu, and I would imagine it would as well for longtime listeners of this podcast as we talk about Sonata winning the New Japan Cup and going on to challenge on April 8th at Sakura Genesis for the IWGP world title against Kazuchika Okada again. I feel like we had these same conversations for years about one Hiroki Goto. And maybe it's too obvious, but I think that's exactly where we are with Sonata, where if he wins, obviously he's the IWGP world champion. If he loses, he's not a member of just five guys. He's officially just a guy. Agreed 100%. Goto was a victim of timing in that he was coming up at a time where you were increasing your IWGP championship matches and you had strong champions and... And strong personalities. Yeah. At a time where maybe in the couple years prior, that wouldn't have been as important. Then all of a sudden it's, well, Goto's just Hiroki Goto the wrestler. Yeah, and Goto was a great reboot when he came back. You know, the the old samurai mentality type of, of... presentation with him and it's something that he's continued on but there probably was kind of a sign too where it's like you know when you look at naito who's in his class and in his you know in his age group you have tanahashi you had nakamura you have okada you have so many guys including the outsiders man you know maybe he is u.s slash ic slash never title level level for life And that was the sacrifice you made. And you know what? Probably the right decision, because as we talked about a lot with Goto, you know what? They are sacrificing that, but he's going to be a guy in that mid-card, in that mix, where if you give him credibility, you can depend on him for years. And they have 
and Sonata has been in some ways that way as well. I think the difference here is, unlike all those other times, sure, could Sonata actually lose here, and does he lose a whole lot? No, but what he does lose is the ability to ever turn that key again and be able to be used in a valuable position again that anybody's really ever going to believe. When you change your look, when you pick up a new move, when you change groups and turn on this you know, group that you've had, and if you're a company in real life who's going to lose the marketing, who's going to lose him out of a group that he was a natural for, who's going to lose any merch sales and any changes that you have to make in merch that included Sonata, if you're going to go through all of this effort, I think you have to go ahead and, and pull the trigger here. Even if it's only for a month, two months, three months, the fans are going to let you know what they think of this group as a top group, and they're going to let you know what they think about Sonata as champion. So I say if it's not now, I think, you know, unfortunately, Adam, I my heart would go out to you because, hey, man, hey, we'll see you at the Never title table. Maybe you can face Tamatanga, but... Any hope that you ever had for him to be the top guy, and you are one of many people who have wanted this, it's going to be gone. Yeah, it's uh, maybe literally and figuratively now or never uh, for Sonata. We've talked about Sonata a lot on this podcast. I could talk a lot more about it. To me, the, uh, the thing that always gets my proverbial goat, Mike, is when people say that Sonata doesn't have charisma or... Sonata isn't over. It's just, it displays such a fundamental misunderstanding of the differences between what gets over in Japan sometimes and what gets over here. It just, it's also this sort of willful ignorance of, well, I don't think this guy should be over. So I'm going to pretend that he's not over, even though you see the merch, you see the reaction to him, you hear the crowd when he's out there. It's a different type of charisma that maybe does not resonate as much with Western fans, but it's clearly there. Uh, And to your point, yeah, if he loses this match, it's not that it bumps him down the card lower than he's been for the last five years, but it cements him as being in that spot rather than being a, a world champion level guy. And for all the reasons you pointed out, all the effort that they're going to have Changing the look, taking him out of LIJ, putting him in the stable with Taichi and everyone else. I don't see a really compelling reason not to do it. Particularly, the story is so easy to tell. We've seen Okada, whether it be first with with Kiyomiya and now in other matches as well. We're seeing him get cockier, take opponents more lightly. Um, If he loses to Sonata... Even if it's a month or two, I think it end up being longer than that. If he loses to Sonata, I think there's a good chance that Sonata holds the title through the G1 and then drops the title, not at Wrestle Kingdom, but drops it after the G1 to, you know, you know, whoever, one of the two, three people that beats him in the tournament so he doesn't win the tournament. But yeah, maybe it's something where he wins the title here on the 8th and then less than a month later at Wrestling Dontaku. You know, he drops the title back to Okada or he drops the title to Tetsuya Naito. Um, The other thing about getting the belt, even if it's uh, relatively briefly off of Okada, is if on the pro wrestling Noah's side, you know, you've got another rebuild of Kaito Kiyomiya after he lost to Okada, after he lost the title to Jake Lee. If neither of them have belts, particularly if Okada doesn't have the belt, 
that opens up Kiyomiya being able to get his win back in the G1 maybe over Okada without it having any championship implications that then have to be paid off later that can't be paid off because of company politics. So, yeah, it's now's the time. I mean, it, and it would also fit. We were just talking before we, we started recording how one of the other real telltale things, maybe the biggest thing to take away from the New Japan Cup and everything from the first few months of this year with New Japan is that they are trying a lot of different stuff, whether it be Sonata leaving LIJ, joining now just five guys and winning the New Japan Cup. Everything we're, everything we're seeing with Finlay as a part of Bullet Club, making it to the final and losing, not having interference in any of Finley's matches at the Bullet Club. The Finley uh, uh, El Fantasmo stuff that's going on as a part of Bullet Club. Show to Umino, uh, you know, push continuing and him sort of bouncing back in this tournament from how bad he looked against Tetsuya Naito. What we're seeing with the United Empire, particularly with Aussie Open, different stuff we're seeing lower down on the card. Like they are trying a lot of stuff. Some is working, some isn't working as well, but going all the way with Sonata here, even if it's brief, would cement that this, you know, this is a little bit different time in New Japan than we've had over the past three, four or five years. Yeah, and everything you've mentioned, I've liked the the moves that they've made and some were, you know, are working out better than others when we see different pushes of people and things like that, but then we also have... So many people to come back, you know, the new twist, or again, it's just, it was a nice twist to have Kenny Omega mixed in with Will Ospreay, and we've seen Leo Rush come in. Now Robbie Eagles now is a part of TMDK. Robbie Eagles coming back and having the shot against Hiromu is, is, stands out to me. So the other thing it does for Sonata, because I think you, you belt him up and I think you keep the belt on him, as you mentioned, at the very least through the G1 and again, you know, you, you you can see what the environment tells you and move things in that direction. But to me, I I can't see it not working. And he's had so many matches with so many guys. It's like the fans know that. So it's I think this can work. The great part about it also, it, it clears up Okada to do matches with Tanahashi as a team. It clears up Okada to have matches with outsiders it clears up okada to travel if that's what he chooses to do so forbidden door yeah it gives you more twists with okada which is for right now is great and if i'm looking at the tokyo dome today with somebody holding a bow and arrow to me and saying okay make your picks sonata naito in the main event as a way, again, you think people would believe in that? You think Naito, look how many people wanted Naito to win an IWGP championship at the Tokyo Dome. It doesn't have to be Okada. You could tell this story right with Sonata and do it there. Then have Okada and Kiyomiya and Osprey and Omega and then whatever else you're going to do. That's a pretty good threesome on top. 100%. And I think the point that you made about Sonata and Naito is a really strong one in that maybe on the face of it, you think, well, that's, you know, that's not a Tokyo Dome main event, or that's not, you know, part of a Tokyo Dome triple main event. But look at every time when they've done sort of LIJ versus LIJ stuff. Think about how evil as a top level guy didn't draw except for when he was put with Naito or put with Hiromu. And those matches I think did better than people would have expected. The, the idea of Sonata finally breaking through and then wrestling Naito on the biggest stage at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, particularly if 
it's, as you said, supported by Okada versus Kiyomiya and a year later, the rematch of of uh, Omega and Will Ospreay. Like you're you're in a perfect situation there. You you are able to elevate somebody into a Tokyo Dome main event level spot without all that pressure, and you've got Naito in a Tokyo Dome main event slash the main event because it's for the IWGP World Title, which pays off what they've been clearly building to for the past couple of years. So yeah, I I know there's people that don't like Sonata. I know there's people that the the slower build style, the way he wrestles, it doesn't resonate with people, but. I love the dude. I love the new finisher. Uh, the fact we talked about on last week's show that he now has a high impact sort of out of nowhere finisher uh, to complement the skull end, to complement the, the top rope moonsault. That to me, it was the final piece as far as him being able to deliver um, the, you know, the exciting finishing stretches that new Japan main events are sort of built around at this point. So yeah, I'm, Ready to bring that on? And the other thing, I don't know what you thought, Mike, about this. Obviously, it was completely brought about by Will Ospreay's injury. And I'm going to preface this by saying I have no desire to see Aussie Open broken up anytime soon <laughs> because they are so great as a team. But, man, if and when the opportunity for whatever reason presents itself, I am all in on Haas Mark Davis as a legit singles main eventer in new japan he was great in the new japan cup oh uh, see here we go we're gonna dax harwood mark davis and and poor kyle fletcher and cash wheeler are gonna have to team up now as the forgotten's not as the <laughs> forgotten sons that was horrible we won't even speak of something like that but when it comes to i mean look you're right Mark Davis, I mean, and he can he had a great match with Osprey, but then with Osprey going out, you, you do get to see again how good he is. And it's again, you, it's because we haven't seen him solo. At least I really haven't seen him solo. So it's like it, it's been awesome. And again, it's just it's nice to see for him that he's standing out and getting the attention for it. And it's good for again, it's good for wrestling because hey, if you need him to go one on one, you need him to do a situation and pull him up in a big match for United Empire against a bigger opponent that he may have to take a loss for, but you need a good match. Shit, hard, uh, pardon me. It, it's hard not to rely on Mark Davis. Yeah, he certainly put himself in a situation that, um, you know, they're in a pinch some point. They, they've got a guy they can slide in, and you know, I think people will believe it after uh, uh, after this tour. The only thing I hope we never see again involving Mark Davis and Will Ospreay, I think we need to retire the wrap the guy up in the protective mat so he can't see where the senton is coming from spot. Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. It was one of those things that was cool uh, as an idea, but when you look at what happened and just the, the inability to know exactly where the impact's going to be coming from as the guy taking it, let's just, let's retire that. There's a lot of talk about dangerous moves today in wrestling. That's one that there's no good reason to be doing. Don't let Julia hear that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not talking about Julia doing anything. I, I have no problem with what she does uh, as, as far as that's because you're not getting thrown off the stage. That's true. I mean, that's not inaccurate <laughs> um, before we get to start. And though, one other thing about the new Japan cup that to me really, really stood out, particularly given how I think rightfully hard we both were on show to Umino coming out of that main event against Tetsuya Naito. I guess it would have been last month. Now that was just, not very good. It was long. It was bad. And it was mostly bad because of Shota Umino. 
He bounced back in a big way on this tour. The match with Zack Sabre Jr. Yes, you're in there with Zack Sabre Jr., so it's going to be good. But that was really, really good. And then he bounced back uh, as well. It wasn't just a, a carry job from Zack Sabre Jr. He had a very strong performance uh, against uh, David Finlay as well. So it's not he's not out of the woods. I'm not saying he's Hiroshi Tanahashi yet, but it, it was a needed recovery from Shota Umino in the New Japan Cup. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's all you can ask for. And you're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. You know, it's been said, you know, Kevin Kelly on, on commentary, you know, the old, you know, Shota's, he's going to be fine. And I think he's going to be fine, but you also have to rebound, you know, when all the eyes are on you and and people are kind of go, okay, well, what do you got next? And, you know, he stepped up again. I think there needs to be changes to his repertoire. I think Definitely. I think there needs to be changes to his wardrobe, frankly, as well, too. And I think there needs to be again. I he's Tanahashi meets Okada meets with, Moxley. Pick a lane. Pick with, a lane. Yeah, it was, with, with an edge. Exactly. And it's like it, uh, it's just it's not. We'll see how it comes together. I just the still the packaging I think is part of the issue. And I think that's been part of an issue, I think, to to some of the Western fans. And I just I'm gonna double back just for something you said about Sonata and his charisma, because that's been something that it's like you can have a quiet charisma. Barry Windham had a quiet charisma. And Mitsuharu Misawa. Yes. The the what Misawa did much more than Wyndham. I think, and Sonata is he projected better. He radiated it better. Sonata is not Naito. And I think sometimes when people think of charisma, they think of it that way. And I would just say this is one time where you have to kind of look at how the Japanese fans also look at this take to him or... Again, the the magnetism to Sonata where he's lasted this long, where some people can ask, how has he lasted this long? And, and that's the reason why. And I think, too, as we talked about, you know, fantasy booking out those matches for the Tokyo Dome, again, you can make hardcores happy with Okada Kiyomiya or something like that. You can make international fans happy very easily with a combination of Osprey or Omega or other names you give the Japanese fans and the general fans, I think what they want more with Sonata and Naito, I'd argue right now, almost more than any other match. You know, if you, again, you have to take Tanahashi out. It's like, it's not fair. If you, you kind of include him because any fan that's a general fan is going to go. Yeah. I want Hiroshi. You know, it's like complaining about Tanahashi and Okada in San Francisco. It's like, I know we've seen it a zillion times, but, Fuck it. It's okay. Pardon me. God, I got to keep doing that on this show. I'll edit that out. Okada and Tanahashi in, you know, you know, for a lot of people, that's what they want to see. So again, I got off track there a little bit, but I think people have to remember when it comes to the dome, I think people would be more than satisfied in Japan. I could be wrong with Sonata and Naito. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I think you're right. I think again, with everything surrounding it, I think it would certainly don't think it'd be a bad thing. The other thing is like, I've heard people say, well, Oh, you know, Sonata, Sonata's just over because because people in Japan think he's hot. Okay? Pro wrestling is littered with people who are over because the fans thought they were hot. That's not a bad thing, and he's good enough to go in the ring that he can have good matches. Like, if he's over, he's over. Who cares why? Like, don't – it just feels like with Sonata, and then we'll get off this point. 
It just feels like there's this constant din of people trying to explain and create reasons why he isn't over when he's over. So it's just, it's, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out uh, on the 8th. But I, it's clearly, I, I think people can clearly tell before the show and after, which, who I'm hoping to see get the win. Maybe you can face Jake Lee. Oh, God. You know, that, he's yeah. a good looking guy. He is a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking guy that, along with Kaito Kiyomiya, did not have a very good GHC heavyweight championship match. That was a chore. We've talked a lot on this show about like matches that go 35 minutes that don't feel like 35 minutes. I felt <laughs> every second of that match go by on a cellular level. Oh, I felt my body and mind age as I watched that. Um, give me something like Hiromu Takahashi and Leo Rush for the junior title uh, <laughs> over something like Jake Lee and Kaito Kiyomiya. That was not what I was hoping for. I had high hopes for that match, and they uh, they were not met, unfortunately. Is Kiyomiya just Teflon to Noah fans? I guess he is, isn't he? They're trying to test that theory. <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> they're, they're going to bounce right. He's going to be cha- – it's like – I, I, this is one where maybe I, I think I need to be embedded in Japan, but I think even if I was there, maybe I, I don't know if I could still see things differently. I will never, I just think Kiyomiya should be there. Okada, I thought now was kind of the time. And I know you got to get, I, there was a long, you could have, you could have spread this out. Could, I, I don't know. And I know you I need to give Jake Lee instant credibility, but wasn't there another way to do it than that? I don't well, know. It, I don't know that to me, after you do with Kaito Kiyomiya what you did with him and he finally beats Muto, he, you know, he's, he gets the title, he goes on this run. You got to be super careful with what you do with him. When you have him lose, it's got to be to someone that really, really is going to matter. Like, I'll preface this by saying, I like Jake Lee. Anyone who you know, Mike, anyone who listens to the podcast knows I'm a big Jake Lee fan. Jake Lee is a pretty good wrestler. He's yeah. not a great wrestler. He's not a game changer by any stretch of the imagination as much as, you know, I, I would hope he could be. He's just, he's not that guy. He wasn't in all Japan. All Japan has been, I hate to say it, but they've been better this year without him than they were the last year with him uh, as a main eventer. It hasn't hurt their drawing power at all losing him. I just, to me, like, if you're going to have Kaito Kiyomiya lose, it wouldn't have been then, and it would have been to put over somebody else that came through the system. When I say this, people will almost laugh because it's like, well, they never do anything with this guy. But in a different world where Yoshiki Inamura wasn't a joke in pro wrestling Noah and then really cool to watch everywhere else whenever he wrestles somewhere else. Inamura would be the guy in a properly booked wrestling promotion that would eventually beat Kaito Kiyomiya for the title. But instead, Inamura is 30 some odd years old. I think he's just 30. He's been wrestling for, what, five years, and he still can't buy a win uh, other than against uh, anyone who's lower on the totem pole than him, who's lower on the uh, lower on the pecking order than him. It just it drives me crazy. I don't know. I will. It'll be interesting to see that Noah's next big show has got uh, Jake Lee defending against Katsuhiko Nakajima, which I'll enjoy because they'll kick the hell out of each other. But man, like I don't see Jake Lee being a draw. 
Nakajima, as much as I love him, he was not a draw as champion. Uh, that might be a real, real tough sell as a championship match. I just... You just had Kiyomiya come off the window Mudo, kind of get embarrassed with Okada at the end of the day. You know, he got big up to buy, you know, big star. He got, you know, he got... You know, you got destroyed. Yeah, I mean, that was <laughs> the point of that story. And I guess, yeah, okay, it was to open the door for Jake Lee, but it's like, I don't know, in my mind, I would have done more of a reclamation and, and brought in people for him to beat and had him go on a little bit of a run here. So people did know, you know, I'm ace here, and Jake Lee defeating him a little bit later on because you've been careful with Jake Lee would mean more. And I know, look, I, Noah didn't know... Because we've, again, we like you mentioned, we've talked about Jake Lee. We like Jake Lee. He wasn't used to his potential in all Japan. It was one of those things there where, okay, where Noah was buying on spec. And, okay, he comes in. They make this GLG unit, which is like, okay. But they obviously, you know, they've, they've added to it now. And it's, again, it is, they seem to be taking some steps to, to have him be serious here. But it's like, why not? Dr. Wagner Jr. in a in in a feud where it's more punch kick you can have him tear the mask you can have I don't know I think just to me build up Lee have him win the national title while this stuff's going on with Kiyomi yeah. I, I wish they would have taken that direction as opposed to this because I don't again we'll see now that Lee has the belt in the match with Nakajima, look, Nakajima can make you look really, really bad. So, oh, yeah. you know, we'll see how that goes and how he, you know, soldiers through that match and how that all goes. And, and then we'll have a little bit of a better idea, but I'm not sold on this right now. And I'm not necessarily buying any futures that they're selling. No, I mean, we just, to me, it just boils down to Kimia should be the guy. It's so glaringly obvious. We just went through literal years of Kiyomiya being broken down and then building himself back up and getting to that point and finally beating Muto and finally winning the title. And then now the story is he failed and then he failed again. And now we've got to go through the whole break him down and, and put him back together. And it just, I, I danced this to, dance. We've seen yes. it so many times very recently at a time where we need a lot more time between those two dances being danced for it not to feel really tired. I can understand if it kind of fell into their lap of like, okay, the time frame of when we can have, we can do the Kiyomiya Okada stuff. And if the idea is that, well, if we're going to do Kiyomiya beating Okada in New Japan, it has to happen at a time when Okada isn't champion. That's going to have to be in the window of when he loses to Sonata and when he wins the belt back. So if you're going to tell the story of him getting broken down by Okada, he's got to also get broken down in his own promotion to then ultimately triumph. That's the only way this story to me is remotely acceptable. If it's just Kiyomiya loses again to Okada and then he wins some matches in Noah and wins the title back. Then, like, what what have we accomplished? I think the answer is pretty much nothing. Yeah. So I again, obviously, 
we'll see how it goes when it comes to that. But yeah, and again, the yeah. match itself. To go back to the match itself, yeah, it was just yeah, again, it was underwhelming. Very, very <laughs> underwhelming on a night where I think Noah coming off of all the the positive momentum they've had from you know Nakamura coming in and fighting Muto. Uh, you know, the Muto retirement show, which had so much good stuff throughout and just felt like such a major deal. They really needed these two guys to knock it out of the park. And they just went out there and had an OK match that went way too long. So, yeah, we'll we'll see where that goes uh, on the New Japan front. Before we start talking about stardom, there is the Sakura Genesis show, which we've touched on a lot of the matches already in terms of what they were building to. Uh, but the card as it stands now are the major matches on this show. Now, there's a there's a mystery six man tag, but don't get too excited about that. That's more of like a a promotional tie in in Japan than anything. I don't think we're going to see like six new guys debuting or something. Uh, but we've got Jeff Cobb, Aaron Hanari. And we Francesco. can get some old guys, though, because this is we, all about the theme music. It's being tied into a show where I guess ah. the topic of theme music had come up. So I forget the name of the television show. So it's like Shinichi Champion or Shinichi something. Champion. Yeah. So what is going to happen, I guess, is you're going to have three theme musics that are going to make people pop. And Tanahashi's not on this card to be announced. So, yeah. OK. And. I mean, obviously, you know, the Fujinami, you know, if, if who knows who it's going to be. But it's, again, you think of your wackier themes or your more notable themes. I mean, damn, it would be nice if Liger came out for one. But it would be nice if let, let's get Liger to come out of retirement for one night so we can hear that music again. Let's get Ricky Choshu to come out of retirement so we can hear Power Hall one more time. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Muda, where's he going to be? Get him out of there. <laughs> Uh, well, hopefully he'll still be in New York or still be in LA, I should say. After the uh, hey, hanging out with Sonny Ono, yes, he'll be uh, he'll be uh, otherwise disposed. Hopefully, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So there's that. There's Jeff Cobb, Aaron Hanare, and Francesco Akira against the House of Torture. Uh, we have uh, Tamatonga, uh, Hikaleo, and Master Wato against David Finlay, Kenta, and El Fantasmo. Naito, Shingo Takagi, and Bushi against Taichi, Yoshinobu, Kanemaru, and Doki. IWGP Women's Three-Way Match, IWGP Women's Championship Match, Mercedes Monet against Hazuki against Azumi, or as Mercedes Monet would say it, A-Z-M. Which I've greatly enjoyed that sort of being poked fun uh, of uh, on the, uh, on the, I believe on the Stardom Twitter account. <laughs> um... <laughs> With an old gif of uh, of uh, Azumi explaining that it's it's spelled AZM, but it's pronounced Azumi. So there's that. Zack Sabre Jr.'s show to Umino for the world TV title coming off a of show to Umino, uh, defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in the uh, in the New Japan Cup tournament. Hiromu Takahashi against the newly minted TMDK, Robbie Eagles. Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi defending the IWGP tag team titles against Aussie Open. And as we talked about in great detail, Kazuchika Okada and Sonata for the IWGP world title. Uh, you brought me back to the days of BXB Hulk. <laughs> yes, high 69. High 60. He was, uh, who's still high 69 to me? 
<laughs> we didn't know till we knew. It was man back was in those it, days. Ten forty five. No... Another one. That... Yes, yes. <laughs> back that? in the days where there were, we didn't have English language announcing. There was not a lot of English language coverage online or anywhere of a lot of these promotions. You just kind of had to guess. And, you know, sometimes you guess better than others. I mean, who knows? I'm looking right now at a Yujiro Yamamoto produced show from March 26th. And there's a guy named 801 Kenichi. Maybe it's not 801. Maybe it stands for something else. I do know he wrestled Keita in the house on that show. It's a, a great name. We also had on that show, Mike, Fuma? And Tetsuya Goto taking on Manabu Hara, and a name that's after my heart, Super Macho Monkey. Super Macho. Super Macho. You know, monkey. I miss the old days of the show sometimes where we would we would have all of the wacky names because we would go through every indie in the world because we wanted to make sure if anybody was listening to us who had any interest in Japanese wrestling ever that we were there for them. So we were going through every single Black Buffalo match for M-Pro and all that. So I miss talking about the wacky buildings. We don't get oh, wacky buildings I, as much anymore. I got one for you in in front of my screen right now, uh, we had Kyoshu Pro, March 26, 2023. Main evented by Mentai Kid, Strong Machine J from Dragon Gate, and Aiden Rex taking on Genkai, Yasushi Kanda from Dragon Gate, and Andrew Tan. That's not the story, though. The story is the name of this building. This show took place at the Boat Race Fukuoka Event Stage Special Ring. <laughs> So it's still there. These things are still there. We can still mine this resource whenever we want to. Uh, that's true. You know, hey, DDT, one of our favorite places with DDT would go to a fruit and vegetable stand, the oh, Surumi yes. Fruit and Fruit Market. No vegetables here, folks. Fruit and fruit in Surumi <laughs> at the market for Onita DDO flag raising battle, including a Jado alert issued electric blast Jado road missile death match with Atsushi Onita, Shunma Katsumata, and Toi Kojima defeating Harashima, Soma Takao, and Kazuyuki Harada. So uh, it seems like the match ended here in 1355 with a current blast bat full swing from Katsumata on Harada. So there you go. As it should have. I know the idea with, with Jado, you know, that's referring to missiles or whatever, but in my mind, I'm like hoping they're going full like meta and it's Jado, the wrestler, being shot out of a cannon like a missile toward the ring. I just give me was it it was Jado and Jericho or it was Gato and Jericho. Just give me give me pajamas Jado against Jericho on one of the if we don't do it I guess on one of the the Tokyo Dome shows. Do it on the uh, on the Dash show. That's where I need to see Jericho War Style uh, against Jado again. Yeah, we uh, yeah we definitely need a return before he retires of uh, of the pajama Gato, which uh, over on wrestling at random on the bonus feed a few weeks back we reviewed a listener request of the Super J Cup 1994 and we uh, we chronicled the journey of pajama Gato 
uh, in that tournament as he went much further than I think people who never saw that show would expect when you look at you know, the likes of Jushin Liger and that Great was Sasuke. That sort of a big deal because yeah. most of us were only able to, we had an interest, but again, with my family and where we were, we were New Japan first. So it's like, again, just my brother got into the smaller promotions and it was like, wait a second, what? Because again, Eddie, Benoit, uh, uh, you know, yeah, Hayabusa, just, Great Sasuke, yes, Dean Malenko, there, there so uh, many names Negro Casas. Yeah, for years that so you had been seeing, even like the Doc Deans and guys like like you yeah. knew the names where it was like those guys who really didn't know other than was it WCW versus NWO World Tour or whatever it was where you had. Remember they had Pancras in the game and Boss yeah, the Rudin. first one for PlayStation before they started making the ones for yes. N sixty four and Taka was Mister Five Thousand or whatever it was and all that sort of stuff and that probably was the only place you had access to those guys other than if you were a hardcore tape person. I don't know what that it, has to do with anything, but I'm old. <laughs> all truth, all very variables now. Very, very true statements. Um, before we move on to stardom, which we've been threatening to do for the last half hour or so, uh, All Japan also had their uh, their most recent big show uh, at Oda War Gymnasium, which is a pretty good crowd. I believe somewhere around 1,700. Um, it looked good on TV. You had Yuji Nagata beating Shuji Ishikawa in a match that was good but went way too long. Um, it was wild to see Nagata taking like the shoot headbutts from Shuji Ishikawa. Mm. Like it was just, just it was a weird visual seeing those two against each other. Uh, <laughs> That's true. It was good. Twenty five minutes probably would have been better. Eighteen. We also had two All Japan versus Noah matches, both won by Pro Wrestling Noah, which is funny because in like almost all the Noah versus New Japan stuff as of late, it's been New Japan winning. And then on the all Japan Noah's side, we've had three matches. We had the, the six man at the Muto retirement show, and then the two matches here, and Noah has won all of those. So they're the big timers here. Uh, Kitamiya, uh, Inamura, and Kenya Okada defeat Kento Miyahara, Yuma Anzai, and Ryo Inoue, uh, which was really good. I actually thought that was probably the best match of the night. I'm on the Anzai train forever. It's like, not only do I think he's going to be like the future ace of all Japan, there's a chance he might be the top heavyweight in Japan from an in-ring standpoint sooner than later. Uh, but then we also had Keno and Manabu Soya fresh off not being able to win the GHC tag titles against Kitamiya and Daiki Inaba. They take out Yume Aoyagi and Naoya Nomura to win the all Japan world tag team titles. Could you see a possibility of Kiyomiya winning the triple crown? Of Kaito Kiyomiya winning it? Yes. Maybe somewhere down the line. I mean, it doesn't feel like he's been inserted into this but at it, this it, point. As, I mean, if anything, I would say Masa Kiyomiya is more likely given that yeah. he's into the into the champion carnival and we're seeing the back and forth with him and uh, Miyahara. You're right. And that's – and I, I just – again, this would be like fantasy booking, but considering – Again, Noah pushing its weight around more in all Japan and all Japan fighting off that front when you have Kiyomiya where it's like, you know, him defeating Nagata means he didn't defeat, in theory, a all Japan guy and him losing to an all Japan guy later on and getting some of his swagger back that way. 
because again, you know, Noah can only help all Japan. You know, all Japan really, I don't want to say can't help Noah, but you know, look at the positions that they're in. Yeah, I mean, I think All Japan can help Noah by getting Kento Miyahara on their shows. I think that would, well, if nothing yeah, else. That's true. That, that might uh, be get beneficial a few more for both. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's it's a really interesting deal because you've got Noah, which is you know this big corporate company. You've got All Japan, which is probably the closest thing to a major independent in Japan right now. But there's really not a whole lot of difference unless you have, you know, a Muto retirement show or Shinsuke Nakamura coming in. There really isn't a whole lot of difference in terms of what they can draw for their major shows. Uh, so kind of the, the jockeying politically as far as who gets what, uh, you know, is, is interesting as something to watch. You mentioned the idea of Kiyomiya beating Nagata. To me, the only thing I want to see happen out of Yuji Nagata's title reign, which I'm fine going four or five more defenses, Yuma Anzai needs to be the guy to beat him. They clearly are not going the slow push route with him. We've seen him beat guys, um, you know, whether it be, you know, a guy like Ishikawa or he beat Shima on the All Japan versus Gleet show or versus Glate show, I should say. They're, you know, he's going to be a champion, I think, quicker than most people would expect. And also they did the whole deal last year with Anzai teaming with Nagata a lot. So that's what I'd like to see. Anzai beating Nagata for the belt, and then you know wherever we go from there. It's like Jordan Walker on the Cardinals. Sometimes you got to keep the young guys on the roster. You got to keep them up. You got to get them playing. You got to belt them up, or at least give them a position in the field to play. That's- yes, I I agree. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I agree one hundred percent. As a Cubs fan, guess what? You're going to be dealing with that guy for a lot of years. Not looking forward to it whatsoever. <laughs> I try to not think about the Cardinals as much as possible, but we're only mere days away from opening day and the season getting started, and I will be seeing more of them than I would like to. Uh, other just quick note from that show, Dan Tamara and, uh, and Atsuki Aoyagi was a really good undercard match. Not surprising. Aoyagi's been great over the last little while. But, yes, let's finally follow through on our threat and talk about Sardar. Sorry, you threw me off there for a second. I didn't know you we were going to bounce right to it. So, yeah, hey, I'm back off of mute now, and we shall talk about stardom. Look, look, I'm not a big fan of the Cinderella tournament year after year. I think it's kind of superfluous. I think maybe in this day and age where we have so many more themed cards and so many more big cards for stardom that maybe this can get pushed more back into the background, but I, I know that's probably not going to be true. And I don't know, Adam... When it comes to this being a pay-per-view, I know there are some people are saying, hey, look, if it was a house show, if it was just a, a big house show, I would want access to that show. I think there's a flip side of that where you're you're trying to get new fans. You have people that are checking you out and are becoming more regulars with things that may have paid for this show and went, what the hell exactly is going on here when it comes to all these draws, all these short matches and everything? And I know I've just contradicted myself, but... You know, I wish they had TV because that would have been the perfect type of TV show to have. But when it comes to a standalone pay-per-view, I don't know if next year they don't change their mind on that and make this just something for streaming as it's been in the past as opposed to a pay-per-view. But I'll probably be shouted down and, and be proven to be wrong, but that's okay. That's okay. It's fine. We did get to see some cool things out of this. Yeah, I mean, to me, the, the Cinderella tournament, it's just kind of have to zone in, zen out, and kind of get myself in the mindset for what it's going to be, which is 
by the nature of the fact that you had 18 matches on this card, 36 people in this tournament, and the fact that they are 10-minute time limit matches, it's going to be short matches. You're going to see some matchups that you otherwise wouldn't see. And the exciting part of that is it's people you wouldn't normally see wrestle each other. The thing that may be frustrating is that they're going to go to draws or they're going to go to double ring outs. Big names, in fact. Yeah, a lot of big names went to draws or double ring outs. But I think for the most part, they weren't they weren't shocking. I mean, it's when you just see it on paper, it's shocking. When you think about with almost each of these big names that went out, they all have major things already booked on the horizon. So you're not necessarily surprised. I mean, I, the whole pay-per-view thing, the whole that whole argument there, I, to me, if, if Stardom World didn't exist, fine, whatever. People can, it, it maybe it would be frustrating, but Stardom World exists. Like, if you don't want to pay for this show, which I thought was still entertaining for what it was again going going into what is but if you don't want to pay for it it's going to be up within three days on stardom world every single one of these pay-per-views goes up in three days on stardom world and the way i look at it is you know if it's a pay-per-view that makes me want to order then order it if it's a pay-per-view that i want to wait and see it i can see it three days later on stardom world and the kind of the unsaid thing is the fact that we get more of these pay-per-views means we get more big shows we get more big shows. That means we get more big matches. Yeah. And with the roster that Stardom has, I want to see all of these people wrestle against each other. Even if, you know, in the case of Sayaka Matani and Mayu Iwatani, it's only three minutes and 49 seconds. That's three minutes and 49 seconds more than I would have seen of those two who have not locked horns that much in singles, uh, you know, go at it. So it's, I can see if you are new, like you said, you watch the show or you see me like, I, I don't quite understand what I just saw. But as someone who's who's hooked into it, like I found it, you know, I, I found it to be an enjoyable show. It's always the first round of the Cinderella tournament is the first round of the Cinderella tournament is the best way I can describe it. Did he get do you think it gets too repetitive with with the 18 matches or do you think, OK, it's just the nature of the beast? Because, again, you get. You get different little takes, but there's only so many ways a match can end, and I hate to say it, and it's just because it's hard for me to put my brain in that gimmick match where you go over the top rope, you're eliminated. But if you jump up to the top rope and then jump off, you're not... It's like, argh, I I hate the top rope, over the top rope aspect of it. Although I again I get it for the ten minute match and it adds a little bit of a different dynamic. I just it's hard for me it's hard for me to pivot to that and it's more of a juxtaposition than it probably should be. It's more of a me thing, but it's just to see that and then it ends the match. It's like ah, to me it's deflating. Yeah, I like the over the top rule. Again, I would not like it if it was a regular part of the rule set and the promotion, but I like it because it makes this feel different from everything else on the calendar it year gives outside the best of people good apron play, that's for sure. Well, yeah, and the other the other thing that you get is you get upsets. You get upsets that like you're not going to have at this point, even though it looks, it feels particularly the fact that she got microphone time after it. It feels like my Sakurai is in for a little bit of a push right now, yeah. but you're not going to have my Sakurai defeating Julia in the first round of a tournament otherwise. So it, it, it gives the unpredictability and it also gives, it allows you to do these matches and it gives you the booking outs in a way that 
like it might be slightly frustrating in the moment, but it, you know, you because it's part of the rule set, you don't feel as frustrated as you would be if you got like a double count out four matches in a row or something. Like <sighs> I, I guess it just I understand how it 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 could be irksome, but I enjoy it as a change of pace. I'm willing to bet if somebody goes back, we have done this exact same show with the exact same conversation <laughs> for like the past five years. But look, there are new people that are probably listening. And again, these are things, again, when you only have it once a year, we can bring it up and talk about it. And I, I will start, you know what? I'll get my negative Nellyism out of the way right off the bat. There are some times when it comes to stardom like all wrestling okay period where especially on the indies where there is a lot of air <laughs> between punches there is a lot of things that are not registered or again waka and lady c to me is sometimes it was kind of like i don't want to say the worst but you saw the slow Shote palm strike at the end by Waka that Lady C kind of didn't really sell because she was turned around anyway. And then the weak roll like this is in this setting. To me, you see a lot more air to think you see a lot more misses because of the high speed style. And you also, though, conversely, as we go through the card and later on, the people that are really great at it <laughs> are really great at it, you know. Oh, and yeah. you see where you know, and stardom's like GCW and like a lot of indies, but GCW. I disagree. Well, here's why. Here's what a, <laughs> in, in this in this one respect, if if they think they can do something with you, regardless of your inexperience, you could end up on a show. And sometimes you get great variations because stardom's got everybody sometimes on a show where you're seeing. Very young people and people with not a whole lot of experience. And then you see the Nakanos and the Julias and the, you know, you see top tiers. And it's like, again, you, it's such a unique thing. And I'm not bashing or anything like that, but I thought Waka and Lady C, you know, that match was riddled with, with holes. But in some ways, it was the right way to start the show because it just kind of, you know, it got better from there for me. I will say, and I don't think this is a controversial statement. That if you were to watch one Wakasukiyama match from this past weekend, I would choose the one from New Blood Premium the night before, which was Wakasukiyama and Tam Nakano against Nanai Takahashi and Kyrie, uh, really blowing off that entire, basically the entire time Waka has been in stardom, the story of she never won a match. She can't win a match. She's getting more and more frustrated. She's got the great facial expression. She's getting more and more aggressive, but can't win. Tam is getting tired of her not winning. Sets the three-month deadline for her to get a win. And finally, it culminates in to save her, her spot, in, not only in Cosmic Angels, but then by her own stipulation that she added, to save her spot in stardom as a whole. Wakasukiyama has to pin either Kairi or Nanai Takahashi in a main event match. And she does. She gets the win. She pins Takahashi 22 minutes. I thought that was great. Uh, just perfect pro wrestling storytelling the whole way across with that storyline. And then her finally getting the win. And then that carried into this match, which it was just fine. But she beats Lady C with her modified reverse cradle. It's basically if she uses that like 
I won't call it a tiger suplex hold. It's like a tiger hold. It's basically you hook someone like a tiger suplex, and instead of suplexing, you just fall back into a pinning predicament. She then kind of rolls through with that. It definitely looked better in the night before, but she got the win here. And now she, you know, she advances and you know, we'll see how far she can go. I think one of the real stories as we go through this first round and talk about the matches, and then we'll talk about the bracket going forward, is that to me, the way this is set up with the amount of top stars that either lost or particularly were eliminated to draws where both people were eliminated, it feels to me like the deck is being cleared for somebody uh, out of the ordinary to win the tournament in a way that they don't necessarily have to get a ton of wins over top wrestlers, but can still find their way to the final, whether that be a Wakasukiyama or a Mariah May or a Saki Kashima or a Mai Sakurai. I could be completely wrong, but it just feels like somebody like that is going to, you know, slip through at least to the final, if not maybe win the whole thing. Well, and it's because of the nature of the tournament. You can do that. Because the tournament, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist in the rest of stardom, but once the tournament's over, it's kind of over. I don't remember Tony. Well, you go on and challenge for a title, but yeah, you don't see anything like this the rest of the year. Exactly. Where again, it's got a stipulation that comes after, but then it doesn't. Again, we have at least we have not seen a whole lot roll out of it. Again, I'm I'm getting into the weeds here, you know, too much with it, but that was the first match, and hopefully Filthy Tom Lawler can take some, you know, solace after his tough weekend and the fact that Waka has now established herself and got the win because he was he was trying to get happy about that, and obviously Brian disappointed him, so hopefully Stardom can make him feel a little bit better. I don't know if Meltier's album being on sale will will make him feel better but on April 19th Adam are you are you getting the album because it looked like it's available and if i'm not mistaken from the commercial that ran uh tower records and videos and books are still available and that may be where mike is working <laughs> yes we had that long video thing of the collaboration between stardom and tower records and it was like it would show like April 5th to April 12th April 13th to April 20th April 21st to April 26th. And this went on through like the end of July as these dates would continue to flash on the screen. So there's some sort of long-term relationship between Tower Records uh, and Stardom. But I'm actually doing this podcast while in line at Tower Records waiting for that album. So uh, there, there is uh, there's definitely excitement on at least this end of the microphone for that. I know I am a bigger Meltier fan than you are. Yes, well, and we'll get, by the way, folks, hold on to your raffle cards. We'll get to the stardom card party number uh, coming up here in a little bit. But, hey, here's a real shocker for people that listen to the show on a regular basis. Saya Ida uh, uh, was next against Miyu Amasaki, and I was looking much more forward to this than I was the first match. And, uh, you know, a lot of fighting spirit displayed by Amasaki, and that's kind of what it was about with Ida you know, doing all of her power stuff. And, you know, Amasaki got a little bit, but Ida looked like she was going to, at some point, put her out. Northern Lights with a bridge, you know, uh, the the shoulder block, a huge lariat, all this stuff. But Amasaki kept slipping out, got a series of small packages for a while before Ida finally, you know, put her down. But, again, the story of the match was more about Amasaki just being plucky. Yeah, I thought Amasaki looked 
really good here. To you, that's one of the main stories of this weekend in stardom. Again, uh, also going back to the night before at New Blood Premium, her match with Shuri, by far Amasaki's best match since she debuted. And yes, she's in there with Shuri, so it's going to be uh, a good match. But you talked about fighting spirit. Seeing much more of that for Amasaki here on the 25th and in the match that you mentioned on the 26th. Um, you know, when she first started, she had some some good moves, some cool stuff that sort of like pendulum pedigree, uh, tornado DDT running up the ropes, but kind of just really like, you know, just blank and not real. I don't just not real engaging when she wasn't on offense. It feels like particularly now that she's getting more consistent ring time over the past month or two. And we're seeing kind of the, the trial series type of stuff. It feels like the first of several levels of breakthroughs that we'll see with her as a wrestler. It feels like this weekend we got that. Uh, we then had Ami Sore against Yuna Mizumori, which was not that I thought it wasn't going to be good, but I actually thought this was a better match going into it than than I expected it to be. Whenever I see Mizumori, I'm like, oh, okay, he'll be all right. And then she's always better than I expect it to be. Um, but Ami Sore, as the reigning future champion, obviously not defending here, but got the win and moves on. Yeah, I, I, there was a, like a weak spin kick towards the end that Mizumori threw that missed that like, that was... But that was really about it, you know. The, it was the, it was solid. I'm not sure exactly how long it went, but you know, this was five five thirty three, which is right around the the ballpark for a lot of these matches. Yeah, and this was the first one where we got an over the top rope with Mizumori. I forget how she was bounding on Sore, but you know, Sore caught her and just you know, in a fireman's carry, and you know, chucked her over the top rope. So I, you know, again, that was the first. Oh, okay, you know, all right. You know, this is a part of things, too, you know, and it's going to happen throughout the night. So, you know, no, again, Ida getting the win, Sorhei getting the win, Waka getting the win, no surprises. And then, you know, Starlight Kid and Umasaki, and this was really competitive. And I think this was my first kind of surprise, not even that start that it went to a draw, because I could have saw Umasaki winning, because, again, the nature of this tournament. But I would like to see it again, that's for sure. This was, I thought this was great. Again, like, it's hard for a lot of people, and I guess even myself included, like, to talk out a match and being like, oh, that was a great match when they get when it's such short time. But for a five minute and 47 second match, this was awesome. Yeah, they have great the most chemistry. of your time. Oh, they did. They have, get, they have great chemistry as tag team partners, which we saw the night before. Uh, but they have great uh, chemistry as opponents. It was a double over-the-top rope elimination. I also thought just I love the attention to detail in that the previous night, uh, it was Starlight Kid and Umasaki's uh, alter ego, Karma, uh, winning the tag team, the New Blood Tag Team title tournament final over Mariah and Tomoka and Naba. Really, really good match worth going out of your way to see either on the replay or when it goes up on Stardom World. But Starlight Kid comes out the next night in the tournament with the New Blood Premium Tag Team title belt, which looks very nice. But Umasaki does not because she's not the champion. Karma is the champion. So I like that. uh, I like that attention to detail. But yeah, this was the early part of the show. This was by far the best thing on it and one of the best things overall on the show. Yeah, it, it was really good. Again, the only again, if there was a disappointment is just again, it's the nature of what it was. The fact that it went to a draw was so short and you wanted more of it. I don't know if we want more of Xena versus Hina, but I'll say this. 
Xena looks like a Club Venus member, looks like a perfect yes. person that would be uh, stepping into Club Venus, and she was trained by Robbie Eagles, and this was this was okay. It, it was, again, it was more of an introduction for Xena than anything, and then she got the victory with her, they call it a thunderstruck. She puts you up in a fireman's carry and then falls backwards, and you know it's kind of like that lung blower thing to your ribs or whatever, so... It was it was okay. It was again. It just felt like okay. Well, this is a, a nice big introduction here. Yeah, it was it was a totally fine introduction. It was like you said, she fits. Zena fits with uh, uh, with Club Venus. Uh, you know, it's interesting to see them bring someone else in. Like, I wonder if it's going to be a this is just sort of a rotating cast outside of uh, Mina Shirakawa. And clearly Mariah May has, you know, has made some inroads to being somewhat of a regular in stardom with her performances. Like, I wonder if, you know, if we'll see Zaya Brookside rotate back into the group at some point, or if, you know, Zena is replacing her. I like that idea actually for her group. If she just kept having these again. Yeah. As, as you know, do, are there rings around Venus? That's why it's Venus, right? You know, or is that Saturn? I don't know. That's Saturn. Regardless, bring people in and freshen up again. And it gives it the, 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 the group something unique. It gives, you know, I, I that is an idea. Actually, now that it's we, we put it out there, I like that idea. And I think they should do it. Yeah, it's it, it's, you know, it's a group of similar minded foreigners but you know, every few months you've got different people in, and they all sort of orbit around uh, around Mina Shirakawa. Uh, we just mentioned Mariah May. Uh, she defeated Rena in just under six minutes with a tombstone pile driver. Another great performance from her. She, to me, we've talked about it uh, week in and week out. She's been the revelation of stardom so far this year, and even going into you know, since she's been in, uh, you know, in, in terms of the Triangle Derby and everything that. I, I didn't know anything about her. I, I thought, okay, we'll we'll see. And she's really good to the point to where knowing pre-pandemic how much stardom liked to push foreigners, I would not fall over shocked, honestly, if Mariah May finds herself in the final or wins this whole damn thing. She clearly has has impressed there, and she, you know. You know, it wasn't Zia Brookside that they brought back to go on this run. It was Mariah May, and, I, you know, I, to me, she's one of the three or four people I think has a real legit chance to win when you look at who's left in the tournament. She's an absolute character, that's for sure. And they have not, I mean, when's the last time they had a blonde? It, it, it like, more again, you know, it's great to have a little bit of everything. And there was a void to fill, and she's kind of filled that void. And I think she's, again, perfect playing off of... of everybody else in Venus because it looks like Xena's going to be the big badass that won't talk and she can be kind of the muscle with her arms folded and obviously with Mina you know as the leader of the group and and that with Mariah as just kind of again I I liked it and the match was good it started off you know you did your a little bit of goofy comedy and then it was into the wrestling and as it went on it was good Death Rider DDT for May and then Tombstone Piledriver, and that's what finished it off. And I just thought, you know, again, I was, you know, she she exudes and stands out and has made herself stand out. And I, again, it's a another check in there. Again, we weren't sure how this new group was going to be. We were looking at them 
and Mina redoing something. We looked at the what the Neo Stardom Army was going to look like, and obviously Jazzy Gabert has dropped back out of that. But like they were doing some different things as well too, and they've seemingly worked. Pretty much everything Stardom continues to do seems to to be working as well. I'm yeah, not and to me, everything, like, but enough of it is for sure. Really good, really good batting average. And, and to me, with Mariah May, like everything you mentioned is true as far as the character. And to me, like the most noteworthy thing is just she's damn good in the ring. Like her footwork, yeah. her movement, she's never out of place. She can keep up when it's when it goes high speed. If those are the t- right, uh, if it's those are the type of people she's in the ring with. Um, I just very, very impressed, uh, you know, when you compare it to a lot of the other people that have sort of come in sight unseen over the, uh, over the years in stardom, like she, there, there's definitely something there and I'm really interested to see, you know, kind of how far they go with it, uh, and sort of how far she takes it and where kind of where her career goes, because there's, there's star potential on multiple levels for her. Uh, we then had Saki Kashima and Momo Kogo. I'm a big Momo Kogo fan. I uh, I was hoping, you know, the uh, kind of the truism of you get new gear, you win the match. I thought maybe we'd see that here with Momo Kogo. She got new gear. She lost the match, which isn't surprising because Saki Kashima is such a valuable person in tournaments like this because obviously she, anyone can win with the over-the-top rope elimination, but her with that roll-up, it's been proven she can beat anyone at any given time. So having her kind of cut her way through this tournament and even get close to a final or be in a final, uh, it's it's always fun. Like I always say, she's Toro Yano without all the annoying Toro Yano stuff as far as the match structure. She can beat anyone, but then if she loses, it's totally fine as well. With a Sonata-type finisher that can get you out of anywhere? Well, yeah, and particularly, yeah, particularly with that roll-up that they've, I mean, I can't think of too many people she hasn't beaten with that. Um, so it's there's the built-in credibility. Every near fall on either side, whether it's her shoulders down or her opponent's shoulders down, you buy into it. So it's she's, she's super fun um, in these environments. We then had Mirai and Hanan, which I was interested just because Wait you got... Wait a second. Everybody pull out their cards, all right? Stardom card party. The number <laughs> 528392. Report to the uh, box office, and uh, Rossi will give you an 8x10 that he signed. Report to the pay window, I guess. (laughs) Oh, I'll get to the pay window a little bit later on when we're talking about uh, Inaba. But, uh, yeah, because I'm going to gush over her again. But, uh, yes, yes, it was Mariah and Hanan, and, uh, you know, (laughs) it's, uh, I don't know. What did you think? I thought this was very good. Um I tell you I, what, the armbar on the apron, whew, that that looked cool. I did like that. That's one move off the apron. I thought Hanan locking on that on Mariah. And I, I, I think, again, with with me with this one, the disappointment of I, I want more, and I just wanted it to be more, and, and it was what it was. I really liked it. I To me, like, wanting more, like, that's kind of where I am at with Hanan in terms of, like coming through like the future start of championship, that rain, all of that, it felt like there was real, real breakout potential. And obviously there is, but it just feels like there's been a little bit of a stall in terms of development for her. Um, like I really thought once she lost the future of stardom title that she would 
take more of a step. And part of that is just the booking that they're, you know, that's not where they ever slotted yet. But I thought there'd be a little bit more of a step taken than there has been so far. That said, I thought this was one of her best recent performances. And part of it is she's in there with another sort of power fighter, power wrestler. Um, I'm 100% in the tank for Mirai. We've talked about that going back to the Mirai Mayumi days in Tokyo Joshi Pro. She just gets better every single time you see her, all the different little things that she does. It's so obvious that she's a student of the game and not just the modern game, uh, but a student going back to the likes of Bret Hart and Ricky Steamboat and Ricky Morton and people like that. Um, but she gets the win uh, with the Miramare or the Miramare, her uh, her arm submission. And to me, like we talk about as we go through, people have a, a potential to win. It's either going to be a real surprise person that you don't think of as being a top of card wrestler, or it's going to be Mirai winning back-to-back tournaments. That's my take. Yeah, well, yeah, I, that wouldn't be a, a horrible idea at all. I, I, I wouldn't mind that. That that would be something different to do. I think too with Hanan. How old is she? Seventeen. No, she's definitely she's definitely eighteen because that was part of her aging out of the uh, the future of stardom division. That's right, yeah. So, but it's like it's been a year. She's been wrestling a year, so you know that's I guess it's the numbers game. You know, with her too. If you don't, you know, again, we'll see how she navigates through. But that's when you have an embarrassment of riches. Unfortunately, you know, there's going to be somebody that's kind of just floating for a little while you know you can make the case for thecla that way that they could be doing more or you could do more with thecla but it's like okay you could but then where where does she fit who do you move to you know who do you move down when you again you have all this talent and she defeated kaguma and it was a fun match thecla again gives a different with the the use of the ropes and things like that, she gives a a different flair to things. So just you know, moves differently than anyone else on the show. Yeah, and it's just you know I'm watching this with Koguma, and it's like you know she got the win with the you know she got with a roll up and then held on to the trunks, which I don't know. That was weird. I, yeah, because I don't. It did not seem like the ref kind of saw it, and it's like, are they? Is this because she really is losing grip, and it's just the the finish, so they're doing it, or was it? Did Waka? Did anybody bring it up on commentary? Because by that point, Sukiyama had joined. I I don't know. I, I don't know. But it did seem kind of like ah, I wonder what's up here. It felt to me like she legitimately had to do that to keep hold of the pin <laughs> and keep Koguma down. Because to your point, it was right in front of the ref, and there was no. It was not played up at all, seemingly on commentary or, you know, by Koguma in ring. So that would be that would be my guess. Just one quick thing back to back to Hanan. She's actually been wrestling for five and a half years. She started her debut was April 9th, 2017. So she's been again. She was like, so she was like 13 years old. Like she's almost so she's actually almost six years as of like a week and a half from now. I'm like, again, I'm not ragging on her. She's very good. So I didn't even realize. But, I guess, yes, you know, I guess I'd have to go back. I guess she was one of the system people. I just I don't think of her being there. They all started, the sisters all started at the same time. Her and then the two younger sisters, the twins, uh, Rena and Hina, all started right around the same time. So, yeah, she's been, been, again, again, started at like 13. And like I said, I still think that she's going to get there. But it's just, you know, there's growth spurts as far as development. And I think we're just kind of in a 
in kind of a steady line before the next upward trajectory with her. I have no hold on track of time whatsoever at all. That's why this show is going on so long. And I got to be honest, felt like Natsuko Tora and Ruaka was going on for, for too long as well, too. Oh, but... really? I enjoyed that. <laughs> I know. I'm busting balls. Here, look, it was... out of each other with, with, with decorated <laughs> briefcases. I, I am... They gave you I... what you wanted out of those two. Yes, yes. They did, and I am starting to really. We talked about it on one of the recent shows with Ruaka's performance yeah. in, that, in that tag title match at Corican. She is stealthily getting really good. Like for what her character is and what she is as a wrestler, she's become a really fun person to watch. Uh, she basically dominated this match and beat the hell out of Tora. Kind of every time it looked like Tora was going to get the advantage, she stopped her. Um, and then uh, Tora in the end kind of out of nowhere hit the Swanton Bomb to get the win. Um, but yeah, this was, again, it's Oedo Tai beating the hell out of each other. So it's not going to be, you know, Mayu Iwatani and Sayaka Matani. But for what it was, I, I enjoyed the five minutes and 41 seconds I got. Yeah, what is it a Venn diagram where the points meet? You know, I think she's gotten better and we've come around to her more. And those things are meeting at a perfect time. And... Plunder from the jump, you know, the, the, I think it was, oh, God, who came out first? I, Tora came out first, I think, yes. Rocky. Yeah, that's right. Rocky jumped her on the, on the entranceway. Yeah, way. beat her with the box, and, and then it actually degenerated into a wrestling match, which was pretty good. And then ultimately— How about that, that second rope splash to the floor through the <laughs> Japanese table? We always have to define it that way. Yes. Man, there are— <laughs> I would rather take light tubes than go through those tables because the problem is the wood, which is basically like, like honeycomb almost. It's basically honeycomb with like printed wood, like over the top of each side. So when you get put through that, like that is so like that type of table, it's easy to put the person through. But the problem is the steel legs and the frame are so freaking solid that you go through that, but the steel legs and frame don't break. And so you just, your body just gets, goes through a meat grinder. And that's, that's what her shoulder, that's what Tora's shoulder looked like. That was nasty. Mm, I just, oh man, you know, Finley, you know, he got Tora. I just, I remember Julia's back from last week or two weeks ago or whatever it was, you know, with the points of the, the legs, right, right where her shoulders landed. It's like, ah, oh man. There's a lot of things I've gotten old man about in wrestling. And I tell you what, we're going to get to Julia later on with a damn headbutt on that girl. Just don't be doing that. But you're not going to stop her. Julia's going to Julia. Time for me I... to gush, though, because, I mean, I don't want to do a Jim Cornette doing Dusty Rhodes impression, but there was a shoot interview a long time ago when we talked about or the Midnight Express were coming into Georgia. He saw him in Mid-South. He loved him so much. And uh, I, I love the Midnight Express. Midnight Express go over every night. Nobody beef in Midnight Express. That's what I would be doing with Tomoka and Naba. <laughs> I I just she and Siri she's awesome had a exactly what they were going to have big sister little sister th- sort of thing you know they traded the kicks they're 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 partners they're part of the group together but when he got right down to it Siri is a mixed martial arts practitioner who is more than one style which Anaba is still right now karate first and foremost and Siri's wrestling did her in but I just. 
I look at Inaba, who's, what, 19, 20 years old, 21, whatever she is, and it's just, I look at her and go, the whole package, the whole presentation, everything about her with how she's improving, and again, being in there with Siri helps matters along and the people she's been in there with, but it's like, damn, it's, I think she's going to be a star. And, you know, is she somebody that you would push towards the kind of kind of high speed title because of her size and because okay you can you maybe you can do something again it made i want to say it made starlight kid a star or it made you know but look it does help boost profiles when you have good matches that way or is she better off do you think just kind of towing a more traditional line and i want to say traditional because in stardom obviously high speed means something but more along uh, more of a different path i mean maybe a brief uh sojourn into the uh, the high speed lane, but I, I certainly would not want to see her get pigeonholed in that, given her style. And she like she can't keep up, but I mean the the heavier kicking, more high impact style definitely I think lends itself more to uh, to what we see uh, sort of in the the other title I divisions. Just, I just think with her, I, I and again this is me trying to fantasy book where she would fit in a spot more rapidly and again there's a lot of of slots there she'd have to you know move up and she's got to get a lot better but you know it's almost like when you have Malenko in there with the rest of the cruiserweights and just that little bit of difference of what yeah you know I, I i i i'm interested to see again how they utilize the karate and some of that more as she gets better as a pro wrestler which she's getting better as a pro wrestler and that's she has got a good pedigree and good coaching and all that stuff behind her it's i don't know i just hope her her height doesn't you know hurt her at all and you know again cuz i think she's really really good yeah and and to your point rapidly improving and we see new different wrinkles from her Almost every time out, she she started doing she did it on the on the night before in the tag title match, and then here as well that like pop up uh, back heel kick, which is just nasty. But it like it looks good without actually killing somebody, which is always the goal. Um, oh, it's cool it, as hell, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I mean the the match was like you said it was Shuri dominating and Abba fighting back enough to show that she's a worthy opponent slash mentee for uh, for Shuri. Uh, Shuri won with the White Tiger, which is her uh, her submission finisher. But that high kick that she hit on Anaba right before yep. was one of the more brutal pro wrestling high kicks I've seen in a long time. That was there was a moment where I was like, "Oh, did did she actually go out?" I don't think she did, but I I could believe it if she had. That was very good. Yeah, and it's like I thought it, it like I think it was a good job of selling, but. I don't know because <laughs> a little it, bit like, of column A, a little bit of column yeah, B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be a good way to put it. Um, hey, see, you're in there bumping around with your elders who are these are tough women. They are not. Uh, yes. They are not to be taken lightly. And boy, Azumi and Azuki, you want to talk about two people who are well versed in high speed? Two people oh, who are really so good. good. Oh man, I'm so happy Azuki's back because for matches like this and. Man, the tilt a whirl, the tilt a whirl armbar to the floor off the apron, which ended the match. I tell you what, that I it's one of the craziest spots I've ever seen. It was a, it was, <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that nor take that. No, there was a lot was, to go wrong. It was a La Mystica off the yeah. off the apron to the floor, double elimination. 
Five minutes and 20 seconds, but goddamn, was this the best five minutes and 20 seconds you'll ever see? I still desperately want in this rain for Izumi a full Izumi Hazuki uh, high speed title match. We had the two of them in a three way with Fukigan Death, and it was very good. But man, like that opening sequence you talked about, you know, some people, if you're not the best high speed wrestler, that you can really get exposed. But when you see two wrestlers at the level of these two doing what they're doing, just not just the speed, but the precision to nail everything perfectly culminating in that insane finish. Um, Hyped for that match of the two of them, along with Mercedes Monet at, uh, at Sakura Genesis. Mercedes looks great against Kyrie uh, in San Jose, but man, she is going to have to have her fastest, quickest, most well-laced working shoes on to keep up with these two. Because they're just they're on another level. Yeah, and it's you know it's one of those things where if things fall apart at the very least, you know, Azumi and Hazuki can you know pair up with each other till they get things sorted. Or you know, again, there's you know, hopefully there's some safety valves that are put in there for this just in case. Because again, you know, I don't care how much they've been practicing. You know, in a big look, they could practice this match, the three of them, for a long time. Once you're out there in front of fans and your adrenaline's going and all that stuff, and 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 who knows if they've done that? Because I don't know if, if she's over there, if Mercedes. Is. I think she, I think she's there, and she's going to be there at least through. Uh, she's basically staying there all the way through the twenty third. Good, you know, good. <laughs> Which again, it, it takes some of the risk out of. I would assume then. You know what that match could be, and again, I don't. I'm I'm not scared for it or anything like no, that. No, it's I three just of the best wrestlers be, in the world. I think they'll be okay. Yeah, I just want it to be as good as it absolutely can be. And again, she's, you know, she that the initial debut had a lot of people rolling their eyes. Then she has the good match, and that's okay, good. But you know, it was kind of overshadowed too by by Osprey and Omega. So it's like, okay, well, here's you know, then you have the match in in San Jose, which did stand out. And so now it's like, okay, because I don't know how many more of these we're going to have, so I want them to be as good as possible. But but having that be a three-way, again, unless things really fall apart, I I, I have uh, – I'm, I'm far more bullish on this. Yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be great. It's it, it, It'll be very interesting to kind of to your point of how they structure it, given you've got – you know, Mercedes, who has not had uh, a match with either of these two. And then you've got these two who have wrestled each other in so many different situations, you know, over the years and kind of how that meshes. It'll be really fun to watch, but it should be awesome. Uh, we had my Sakurai defeat Julia via over the top el- elimination. Like we said, you're going to get upsets and then they're going to come largely because of the over the top uh over-the-top rope elimination format. This was great while it lasted. This was, again, it was only uh, six minutes, but one of, if not my Sakurai's best performances, she's improved dramatically from when she first came into stardom. It was such a great move. Eventually, um, you know, the, the switch from Cosmic Angels to uh, Donna Del Mondo fits her much better. Much better. That superplex off the apron to the floor. Oy. Oh, my God. Talk about uh, a way to get an elimination. She earned that. That may have been, again, that's over the top rope. It's not in the ring, but good Lord. It was uh, it was something. And it was Julia bonking her with a headbutt on the apron. It was, it was a really good performance, and it was making the most of the time that they had with Julia. 
again, big sistering her a little bit, you know, at points during it, you know, when she had the advantage before Sakurai was able to turn the tables on her and hit her with that suplex off to the floor. And, you know, what should be noted here, too, is Sakurai, before the bell rang, you know, Julie got up on the apron ready to get in the ring. She ran out and was aggressive and, and took it to her first by knocking her, pulling her off the apron to the floor, and then just chucking her through a bunch of chairs yes, in the front yes. row, which, you know, I know Julia was wearing the robe and it's a big fluffy robe, but you know, it can only protect you so much when you go into the third row. Yeah, no, they, they, yeah, they each went third row might even be a conservative estimate as far as how deep they went uh, into the ringside crowd. And as we mentioned earlier, my Sakurai got some microphone time afterwards. So clearly it feels like she's being positioned to have a little bit of a run in this tournament. Sadly, Natsupoi nor Mina Shirakawa are poised to have a run in this tournament. They are both eliminated after another over-the-top rope uh, double elimination. This was great while it lasted. I desperately hope and think we will see an incredible uh, singles match between them at whichever point one of them holds the white belt because I really think one of them will be the person to... uh, uh, to beat Kamatani, and most likely it'll be Shirakawa. Um, but yeah, want to see a full match because as we've talked about, whether it be in tag team matches or here, nobody sells the Mina Shirakawa figure four leg lock. Nobody sells a figure four leg lock better in in general than Natsupoi. That was on full display here. And yeah, two great wrestlers having a really good match, and I'm sure we'll see more of it. Have I offered you my comparison to Natsupoi and Ricky Morton before? <laughs> You had a different Natsupoy comparison that was ridiculous, that I was offended by, like on a cellular <laughs> level. Um, I, I, maybe as much as you were offended by my comparing Mina Shirakawa to Brad Armstrong in ring, which I think only gets better as time goes on. Oh, man. Boy, you are over, way overrating Shirakawa of those years. False. I think what I feel like I'm doing, and I'm a big Brad Armstrong fan, I feel like I'm complimenting Brad Armstrong. I tell you what, you got to believe in a worker to trust them like men did with Brad Armstrong because I tell you what, think about this, folks. I know it's not a far distance from the apron to the floor, but a figure four, if you're the person giving it or receiving it, as you both roll off the apron to the floor, which is how the match ended after they had both gone over the top rope. They were fighting on the apron. It ultimately ended up with the figure four, and then they both rolled to the floor, and I know you're kind of... You're unhooking your legs. It just, there are so many things that could go bad with that. But this was also the match, honestly, when it popped up, it was like, okay, this is going to a draw. It's a matter of how, you know, and I didn't think they go to a 10 minute draw and they didn't. And that's how they went ahead and did it. But I'm not surprised at all. I'm the least surprised in this result than almost anything else. Yeah, I'm with you. This and the next match, Kamatani and Iwatani, those were the two that stood out to me as like, well, those have got to be draws. Because there's just, you know, Mayu Itani clearly is uh, earmarked for uh, at least a shot, if not winning the IWGP world title. And Sayakamitani is the white belt champion. Yes, you could have done the -the over-the-top rope elimination. That would have been a way to go. But feels like that's more saved for upset wins rather than like kind of a, a booking out when you have two stars against each other that you don't want to beat. This only went 349, but yeah. Give me a big time singles match between these two. This was an awesome 349. I say boo 
Well, because I guess we're not there yet to, to Micah. So I, I can't say boo quite yet, can I? Well, yeah, I can go ahead and say boo. Yeah, we well, can move on to that match if you want. I, I just really, because there's not, again, with Kamatani and Iwatani, it was, uh, kind of was what it was there. Again, going going to the draw. And the, the one thing, though, I will say about that match, though, Adam, is what got me is we saw finishes of people going over the top rope and double eliminations, double draws uh, a couple of times, obviously, right before that we saw it. I thought they sold it on their faces the best. Mayu's look immediately, and again, it was good good timing on everything, too, and Saya, like, offended that it happened, I thought. Yes. For as many times as we saw it, including the match just before, they sold it seemingly the best. So, well, for- particularly because it seemed like Mayu was convinced that Kamatani's feet hit first. First, yeah. And so she had that reaction as Kamatani just had the, oh, I'm eliminated reaction. So it was, yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. Not shocking that Mayu Iwatani would be great at the little things on the show because she's, she's just incredible. Like we talked about it before, just little things like where other people are just standing there waiting to take a move. She does all these different like little motions or will turn around and then turn back in a way that is just completely natural but makes her not look like an idiot just standing there waiting to take something. She's so good. I I tell you what, the pandemic and timing of stardom uh, slipping a bit because of losses that they had and a lot of things happening. I, you know, not that I feel bad for Iwatani and Nakano, but boy, you know, I, I hope people look at them with the reverence that they probably should if they're big stardom fans or if they're women's wrestling fans, because I don't, sometimes I don't know if they get their due, especially because we talk about so many different people. Now we have, you know, Kamatani and, and Hayashishida and, and Julia and people like that. Now, again, there's so much Kyrie coming back and all that stuff in a way if there was a benefit, again, there's a, it's tough to find silver linings and clouds from WWE sometimes, but there's a silver lining in Zia Lee and Io Shirai remaining with WWE. It's that it gives, again, it gives that other top tier more chance to grow. And it gives, again, Iwatani and Nakano, I don't, sometimes I don't know if people realize how good they are, but... Micah and Momo Watanabe was next, and I was disappointed. It doesn't surprise me at all. I'm not offended at all. It is what it is, but uh, Micah could have gotten the victory here. doesn't really make yeah. more sense. It makes more sense for Momo, too, but Micah could have. Yeah, I was kind of hoping for her just because, I don't know, it just as because you watch the main the, event was never in doubt? Well, <laughs> as you watch the night progress, it felt like, okay, well, maybe this is opening up for Micah to go on a run and, and maybe go on a run and maybe even win the tournament, but that was not to be. So, yeah, it's it's fine. I have no problem with Momo advancing. She's great. But Micah's yeah, was, still was, my princess out of this whole deal. So <laughs> We then went from that to a totally different style of match than anything else that was on the show. But to me, probably neck and neck i guess uh, the main event too but to me this was neck and neck with uh hazuki and izumi as the best match on the show tommy hayashishida and anai takahashi this was a 10 minute draw where i don't want to see either particularly hayashishida eliminated but i'm 100 percent fine with this going to a 10 minute draw because neither should be able to beat the other in 10 minutes they beat the hell out of each other they can both take so much they can both give so much this felt like the first 10 minutes of an awesome 20-minute match that hopefully we'll get at some point. Um, but yeah, this this was a draw. I don't want to see you, Tommy, in a dress holding flowers. 
I just don't, unless she's got thorns on them and then she rubs them across somebody's eyes or something <laughs> like that. You know, it makes just neither one of them. It was, again, this was another one where it's like when you're looking at, again, Tam and the position she's in right now and Himika uh, one foot out the door. It's like, that's not in doubt. So the fact that this went to a draw, you know, it's like, ah, because you know we're going to get a finish in the next match. But it was like, arg, you know, I, I kind of wish one of the two would have gotten the victory there. But again, this is just more something I want to see more of there. But it did. We finally did at least get our first 10-minute draw, which, yes. again, they saved that. We got literally one of everything when it came to finishes here. Uh, well, I guess, no, there was no, there was a submission. So we we did have everything. Yep. No, yeah, we had that with the, uh, with the Shuri match. Yep. So, yeah, no, it was... Very good. I'm sure I'd like we'll to get forget that. Thank you. <laughs> yes, because Anamba <laughs> lost. Um, main event: Tam Nakano against Hameka. Hameka has been incredible in her retirement road matches. Obviously, there's the big shows we talked about, the Chihiro Hashimoto. But even on these smaller shows, uh, there's been a, a glut of shows just released in the past few days on Stardom World from their uh, their run of a, like like six shows in eight days or whatever it was. The Hameka Julia match, which is a small building. I can't remember which city it's in, but they went out and they had an incredible match in front of maybe a couple hundred people. Like it was them doing the pay-per-view match that they're not going to get a chance to do. Um, every time out uh, since she announced her retirement, Hameka has just been fantastic. We said it before. It feels like she's wrestling with even more of like a freedom and joy uh, than before. It's bittersweet because it's just you watch her in these matches and it's the same here in this match with Tam. You watch her and it's just like, God damn, if she wasn't retiring, I'd, I'd put the belt on her and go all the way. Like she's so good, so good at everything. Great facial expressions, great intensity, incredible ring speed for somebody that isn't, you know, the size of an Azumi or a Starlight Kid. And they had a, an awesome nine minute match here. The finish. Oh, my God. When <laughs> Tam Nakano... Hooked Hameka in the suplex position. The amount of thoughts that went through my mind of like, okay, she's going to go for the violent screwdriver, but there's no way she's going to get her up. She gets her up. There's no way she's going to drop her. She got her up and she dropped her. She pinned her. It looked brutal. Everybody's apparently fine. Oh my God. GIF of the century. (laughs) This move, the way it was shot, the visual of... Uh, of Hameka, who like, cause she's completely vertical in the air. She's being held up for the screwdriver, and you can just see how much taller her body is than Tamanaka yeah. as she's holding her. Just incredible by everybody to pull this off. There's a couple great, uh, like, still pictures that I think Hameka posted on her Twitter account of just the way this looked. Uh, awesome stuff. I mean, it's a Hameka had to lose because obviously she's retiring. Tam is one of the few people that like has a major, major thing coming up, which is the incredibly heated, never-ending feud, which got heated up even more last week. Her against Julia uh, in the main event on the 23rd. Um, but she still won here. So it's kind of interesting. She's got obviously has the big title match on the 23rd in her back pocket, but she is a star, maybe the biggest star that advanced going through. Yeah, and I maybe I'm 
overlooking fans that may have said, well, you know, Himika could get the win. I mean, she could go out as the Jumbo Princess. I mean, yeah, they've announced the last matches, but maybe. Would have been cool. You know, and I think maybe that could have been the thought of it. But again, because of all the reasons you just mentioned there, I didn't think it was in doubt. But like, as you mentioned, it was uh, going to miss her and Nakano's great. And uh, there's really not much else, you know, really to it, you know, from there, because what else? There was really nothing else announced that night. But since then, we've gotten the, the got lineups. a bunch of stuff. Yeah, a ton that was actually, you know, kind of unleashed since. Yeah, I mean, you've got the the brackets, which are completely busted because of all the draws as far as what happens going forward in the uh in the Cinderella tournament coming up uh, if this they were weekend, really like GCW, it would just be a big scramble for the end. <laughs> yes. So there you go. There's your difference. But they, uh, on the first this weekend, we've got three round three matches in two round two matches. It's uh, in the third round, Mariah versus Saida, uh, Thekla versus Zena, my Sakurai versus Mariah may. And then in the second round, Shuri versus Saki Kashima, which is always such a fun matchup. And then Nasco Toro versus Tam Nakano. So Wait, those what? Are... <laughs> what? See, this is a confusing part. We're having three round three matches and two round two matches. Yes, yes, because some people, there were already like, it was 36-person <laughs> bracket, so it was already not an equal bracket as far as everyone would go through. There were buys, but then, yeah, draws, and some, some people have made it further. Like, uh, we've got Momo Watanabe, who's already into the quarterfinals. You know, Wakasukiyama is kind of the same situation. She bypasses and goes into the quarterfinals. Amisore, the same way. So, yeah, it's kind of all over the place. But that's what's next on the docket for the tournament. As far as other major shows coming up, there's the Cinderella tournament, which continues with the the fallout from those matches. That's on the second. So that's this coming Sunday. Uh, Also on that show, we have Himeka teaming with Miyuki Takase. Uh, that's cool to see her uh, in a stardom ring taking on Natsupoi and Kikero Sekiguchi. Uh, Artists of stardom trios titles, Rios, uh, Risa Sara, Suzu Suzuki, and Kurumi Haragi defending against the Queen's Quest trio of Hayashishida, Kamatani, and Izumi. Uh, we have Sendai. The main match there is another Hameka retirement road match with Hameka and Minashirakawa. Uh, we have uh, in Yamagata, it's the Hameka retirement road match with Haya Shishida, Hameka, and Saeida against Micah, Sayakamitani, and Mirai. Uh, then in Corican Hall on the 14th, Izumi versus Saki Kashima. Kashima cashing in her high-speed championship shot. And then uh, the main event of that show, which uh, that was made coming out of uh, one of the earlier Hameka Retirement Road shows uh, matches. It is Micah and Hameka taking on one night only uh, the reuniting of the Alikaba team. It's Julia and Shuri against Micah and Emeka. It's going to rock so hard. Literally, it's going to be, be rocked with, with punches and slaps. <laughs> it's going to be, that is going to kick. Look, God, it's here. It's going to literally kick ass. It's going to be great. <laughs> in a, in a, and probably a headbutter 10 from Julia <laughs> as well. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> an, a, an awesome crowd, I'm sure, at Corican. That then leads into the biggest show of the year, I would say, for Stardom Massive. Now, when you look at what's on the card... It's All-Star Grand Queendom, which we'll do a much more in-depth preview of as we get closer. But as of now, the announced matches for that are 7-Up, taking on Mariah and Amisore for the tag team titles. Shuri versus Shiro Hashimoto, which will be incredible. Himeka versus Micah. 
the winner of the IWGP Women's Three-Way Match coming up uh, on the 8th at Sakura Genesis for New Japan. They will take on Mayu Iwatani on this show. Saya Kamatani gets Mita Shirakawa in the face-breaking revenge slash wonder of Sardom championship match, which I think we're all hoping, no offense to Saya Kamatani, but we're all hoping Mita Shirakawa comes through and gets the win there. And then the never-ending feud, like we said, it continues to level up and level up. There's hair flying. You got uh, Tam Nakano accidentally, maybe on purpose, kicking the hell out of Natsupoi's face when Natsupoi tried to break them up in Kyoto as they were brawling. It's Julia and Tam Nakano for the World of Stardom title. She was being a little dangerous with those scissors too, man. I, I you know, throwing them around, get cutting the hair, and then like pushing Natsupoi like, oh, the scissors in the hand, and you're throwing punches. Just it was out of control. But Hashtag look, Tam did nothing wrong. <laughs> and I don't I don't wanna look, I'm not trying to say <laughs> I would not appreciate the presence of Azumi and Hazuki on this card because I know we're going to get them. But you throw Mercedes name on there and you just look at what's already announced and it's like man, that's a great show. That is a great show and yeah obviously the anniversary show in december you know i think tends to be their more notable but yeah i mean yeah this is this is wrestlemania this is starcade this is a hell of a looking show on paper and it's at yokohama arena which is a big building mm -hmm. a lot of significance there yeah i mean who knows if this is a, an annual biggest show of the year but it sure as hell feels like this is Biggest show of the year slash biggest show they've ever put on. Like it has that vibe to it. Um, and well, I and can't imagine it's internationally. It, it, it should be, yeah. if this is something where again, I, their buzz and their, you know, the spotlight on stardom right now is probably as high as it's been in ever, I guess, realistically, you know, for a lot of people. So it's like, you know, because, again, it's not new for a lot of you out there listening. But, you know, again, they, it has not been at this level in a while. And if Mercedes and, again, Julia is slowly but surely with popularity as far as getting her name more out there. And there is then all of the stuff that is for the everyday stardom fan. You know, you're, you've gotten every, you got everything right there that you could want. And, again, with Iwatani and Nakano to a lesser degree, because I think Julie's going to hold on to that title. We've talked about that for a long time. That you know, Mercedes winning and then taking the title and then facing off against Iwatani. Man, boy, that's going to look good in the papers and on the covers of the magazines, in my opinion, with Iwatani getting the win over Mercedes. That's me. Yeah, I mean, I think it all comes down to, like, if, if Mercedes has more dates or will have more dates booked with New Japan slash Stardom, she wins. If she doesn't, you have the perfect person to take the title from her and defend it both in Japan and in the U.S. So they're they're yeah. in a great situation kind of either way you cut it. The other thing about this is, and I have no idea what the logistics of this, if the, you know, uh, the politics of it, whatever, but if there was ever a Stardom show to have uh, – you know, we saw it with the Stardom slash New Japan crossover show. But if there's ever a, a Stardom show to have Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton live doing English language commentary for pay-per-view, whether that be um, through New Japan World or through Fight or however they do it, this is that show. I really Hallelujah. hope they're able to do that. Yeah, and I think, you know what, I think that they will. I think that they will. 
I know it's coming. I'm pretty sure. Maybe I'm trying. Maybe I'm mixing up tweets from what I because again, it came up in a, in a conversation about Julia of how you know how is WWE not gone after like she should be a bigger star and and it was brought up about you know would English language announcing help and if I'm not mistaken the stardom I'd have to pull it up the stardom town account did tweet that they would have English announcing for that show or it would be coming soon for that so I hope that's the case because it absolutely could use it i think they would be great doing it i don't think that they need help to be honest i don't think you need a native japanese speaker to be in there i think if you have another expert then you know again you maybe you're better off i think in my opinion that way but they definitely have got to do that more they definitely got to find some folks that they can use on a regular basis, either based in you know in Japan or based somewhere else who's just watching and doing a voiceover the same way that Kevin and Chris are gonna do it. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't know that it's something they, they need to do all the time. Again, Blue Sky, yes, obviously for every wrestling promotion in Japan, I'd love to see live shows of everything and with English language commentary available just to grow the fan base, but this is the type of show, if you are going to do it, if it isn't in the plans, it isn't in the plans. Like, that's fine. Yeah. But if you are going to do it, this to me would be the show to do it. So we'll see. Who knows? Maybe they've got a bigger show than this down the line this year that we're not, you know, yeah. that we don't know about yet. But on paper, as things stand right now, if you're going to do that, this feels like this would be a great show to do it. So with that. I tell you, it's tripping me out. I can't believe it as we wrap this thing up. And again, I'm sorry. See, Adam, I told you we could go only 45 minutes and get everything in. And, you know, that, that's OK. Yeah, it was my fault. That no, went so damn long, but no comments. And I'm also not going to po- make a post on the message board about it. No, it's <laughs> Um, yeah. So as I continue to scroll back here and not able to find out the, exactly what that tweet was, it doesn't matter. I'll go ahead and retweet it a little bit later on. But yeah, we've, we've now reached the end and, and that's a probably a good place to finish and stop. <laughs> the end is usually the right place to stop. We'll close it out by saying as always where you can hear or read more of us wrestling at random podcast, which I do each and every week with my close longtime personal friend and yours as well. Jeremy Deemer. We're coming to a close. We're only a few weeks away from the end of our season four, where we have the free episodes that go up. Uh, we have another episode going up uh, this weekend. The one that just went up on Sunday, very relevant to big audio nightmare listeners. If you're still listening this deep into the show as the randomizer pulled One of the most recent shows, I think actually the most recent show, the most modern show that we've ever done on Wrestling at Random, it's the opening night of the G1 from 2012. August 1st, 2012, main event, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Shelton Benjamin. We also have Shinsuke Nakamura and Tetsuya Naito on that show. A very young Roosh taking on Hiroki Goto in the opener. Uh, So, yeah. Fun thing that, like I said, uh, regular listeners of this podcast would enjoy. You can go to wrestlingatrandom.com or search Wrestling at Random wherever you get your podcast. And that newest episode is the first one you'll see. Uh, this weekend coming up this Sunday, well, I can't give away yet what it is. We always do that uh, on, uh, on Thursdays. But if you enjoy Clash of the Champions, you might enjoy uh, the show that we have going up this uh, this coming Sunday. 
And then you can find our Patreon as well, patreon.com slash wrestling at random, where uh, you can support that podcast and get additional new episodes each and every week. They're exclusive to that feed. Even during the season break where we take a few months off on the free feed, we have new content going up each and every week, a new podcast every week on the bonus feed. And so you have that to look forward to as well. We have, I think, around 110 episodes there that you can unlock just by uh, – by supporting us at patreon.com slash wrestling at random. My brain is broke and my mouth is close. Your April is about to get a lot longer because around April 10th or so, or, or so even, uh, whenever the direct deposit hits, you're going to have a new Patreon member. Oh my God. And, and Are I know you going up to the intentionalizer tier. Are you picking shows for us to watch? I'm just saying. Okay, I'm not saying, but I am saying that if somebody uh, of of high moral repute is to become a member of your Patreon, they may bring, they may bring their own randomizer with them and flip it through their own award-winning Google Drive to find oh you some some gems. To, to both not only entertain you and the listeners, but maybe sometimes to bring you a little bit of torture as well, too. It's a, it's a whole <laughs> pleasure pain thing. That's what life's all about. You know, well, that's what we always say. Like it is the only thing it's got to be 10 years old. If it's 10 years or older, otherwise we're happy when people join and they want us to watch things that they love and have deep emotional, you know, give them, you know, give them the feels we'll say, <laughs> but we're also happy to watch things that, they think we'll hate. We've done that before. We'll do it again. <laughs> I, I would never torture you too much, or that person would never torture you too much. But hey, hey, uh, we are stardom uh, at we underscore r underscore stardom on Twitter. There will be English commentary for the Yokohama Arena show. Awesome. Show, uh, yes, that was uh, tweeted that back to us on March 18th when we were talking about uh, Julia being. Well, how is she not a bigger star amongst? Women uh, amongst wrestling fans in North America, she's a total superstar. I think it was uh, Chris Zellner that said that. And again, it's just, it's true. And the English language commentary certainly is not going to hurt matters, but. Uh, I barely know the English language. Somehow, uh, people pay me to do lots and lots of shows. Wrestling Observer Live, you know where to find that, WrestlingObserver.com, for all the information there. Uh, the Adam and Mike Big Audio Nightmare, right here, as I go through the Rolodex of my mind. Oh, yeah, the uh, Big uh, the uh, <laughs> the Mid-Atlantic Championship Podcast. It's been a long fucking day. The Mid-Atlantic Championship Podcast, available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. I take a, a look back at the history of Jim Crockett Promotions, weekly TV specials, and more. And you can find even more than that on the Patreon for that show. If you've ever wanted to support me in anything that I do, no matter what it is, you can do so. Patreon.com slash Mid-Atlantic Podcast. I have Super Chief, how Wahoo McDaniel made the Indian, the American Indian, a first-class citizen, a special four-hour retrospective up there about his heel turn in 1984, how they got to it, how you could go all the way back to 1975 and see how the seeds got planted of a guy who just got fed up and and was again was coaxed to turn by a, a guy by the name of tully blanchard and they had uh, some pretty cool battles against rick flair magnum ta and plenty of others as well too so 
I, I do that. BlackRasslin.com, uh, all of those guys and gals are going to be out in Los Angeles uh, coming up this weekend. I do a show on their Patreon. You can pay the one, you can pay the ten. We prefer you pay the ten, but as little as a dollar gets you in the door, me and my friend Vin Forte, Bulls in a China Shop, where we watch videos off YouTube, talk a lot of nonsense, and have a, a really good time. So Cal, Vin, me, and then uh, Fam was on that one as well, too. So I really invite everybody to check them out. A lot of people say, hey, where did you get that Kamala hat? Where did you get that slick sweatshirt? Where through blackwrestling.com. So check them out as well to support them. Obviously support what Adam's doing and what Jeremy are doing. Support us all because we are Cubs and Nationals fans and it's going to be a long one. And, you know, send a little extra love to me because it's really hard to like the New York Rangers, their ownership, or maybe some of those people on their team this year. And it's it's hard for me to root for them, so I'm not going to bring them up a lot on this show. But I'm happy to see them win. But it's a little bit bittersweet this year. So that's how we're going to end it, Adam. I'm fine with that. We're done, Gus.